Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for parents who want to succeed at work while also raising children. My name is Lori Mahalik-Levin. I'm a healthcare lawyer, founder of a program called Mindful Return that helps employers to retain their new parent top talent. And I'm mama to two wonderful redheaded boys who are about to be out on summer break. And gosh darn it, the school year wasn't really made for working parents, was it? Anyway, I am joined today by my co-host and my amazing husband, Jason Levin. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Lori. It is so wonderful to be here. It's Monday, and I can say you were talking about the end of the school year. This morning actually did not feel like a Monday. Our children were so helpful in making breakfast. They weren't bickering. They walked to school together. I feel joy. I feel love. They sang. They sang songs in our kitchen. Yes. It's rare. Go on. Yes. <laughs> so, so welcome. Uh, I'm the founder of Ready, Set, Launch, LLC, where I'm a speaker, trainer, and coach. I advise executives on how to grow their professional services practice and make intentional career transitions. My debut book, Relationships to Infinity, The Art and Science of Keeping in Touch, is now available on Amazon and wherever you find books online. Thank you, Jason. So we took a little detour off of our normal plan and spent a couple of episodes talking about the division of household labor. And if you haven't gone and listened to those, they are really, really worth the listen. But we're back on track now in our tradition of interviewing moms and dads in a specific industry or role or sector. And this time we're interviewing moms and dads who are diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals. And today we're starting off with two amazing moms, Kamila Knight and Jaya Saxena. Kamila Knight is a change superhero. The superhero part comes from her now 10-year-old who strives to change the way people interact with their environment, which includes their physical environment and those around them. She's currently a senior global director of diversity and inclusion for Donaher's water quality platform. She previously worked at Ferrero as the head of diversity and inclusion and at Unilever, where I met her in diversity and inclusion, sales and supply chain. Kamila is also heavily involved in volunteer work, both in her local community and with her alma mater, Cornell University. And she can correct me on this, but I believe she has many, many degrees from Cornell, the most of uh, most recent of which is an MBA, right, Kamila? Yes, that's correct. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Okay, over to you, Jason, to introduce Jaya. Jaya Saxena is the mom of two spirited and delightful young girls, ages five and nine. She is also a diversity and inclusion strategist and former practicing attorney with 15 years of advocacy and professional development experience. Her varied experience includes working in legal services, law school administration, at an AMLAW 10 law firm, and currently at a global economic consultancy where she leads firm-wide DEI efforts. Jaya is an active member of the community, serving on multiple nonprofit boards. Welcome, Jaya. Thank you so much. So good to have you both here. We're really excited for this conversation. Kamila, I'd love for you to kick us off and then Jaya answering the same question. Could you please tell us a little bit about your own personal working parent story? Absolutely. And thanks, Lori. Um, so my working parent story, I think, is a little unique in comparison to that of which we hear when we think of working parents. So when I entered the workforce, I was a, a single parent. Happy to share that I had my daughter when I was actually a junior at Cornell University, receiving my first two degrees from Cornell. And she was a huge you know, champion in me doing so. So when I entered the workforce, it was a struggle for me, if I'm being honest, and really trying to understand 
How could I be successful at my career, but also be the best mom that I wanted to be? Especially since I had her as a student, I really centered my schedule around everything that had to do with her. So I went to classes only two days a week. And then the rest of the week, I was with her. So transitioning into the workforce, I couldn't do that. I had to go to work every day. So it really took a lot of planning for me um, and understanding how could I build things into my schedule to ensure that I was spending time with her? So we started doing things like sushi dates once a month, as well as movie dates once a month. Um, I also started to do things like plan all my meetings so that I could have enough of a gap towards the end of the day where I could get home on time to pick her up from school because I knew that it was important to her. Um, but then obviously still get back online at the end of the day to do any work that I needed to do. Of course, today, my lifestyle is a little bit different now that I am married and my husband offers a great support for myself and my, my daughter. But honestly speaking, it's still a lot of balancing. It's still a lot of planning. It's still a lot of making sure that I'm here. I'm happy to share as well that today I have a remote role, which allows me the opportunity to make sure that I'm taking her to school every day, as well as picking her up from school every day, which mean the most to her to the point where now we make it a thing because I told her I wanted to be special for me too, where when she sees me standing there, she runs up to me and I run <laughs> towards her just to say hello, even though I saw her probably eight hours ago. But yeah, you know, as a working parent today, I think the, the biggest thing for me is just around balancing and making sure that I can be the best mom that I can be as far as what that definition is to me. Thank you for sharing that, Kamila. Those end of day reunions are the best, aren't they? I think um, even from you know the tiny ages, even on up, it, the reunion is something to treasure. Um, I also appreciate hearing about your life as a parent and student. We had... Um, an episode a little while ago with um, a dad who's in fundraising now, but he had his uh, first child when he was a student. And he talked about all the different people he drew upon um, to help with caregiving at that time. And I know that there are specific challenges that students face. Um, and I just want to commend your creativity in terms of figuring out different paths and different ways to make all this work. So thank you for sharing that, Kamila. Over to you, Jay. I'd love to hear your story as well. Thank you so much, Lori. And again, thank you to you and Jason. Um, I'm, as you probably know, I'm a huge Lori and Jason fan. <laughs> and I really appreciate the invitation to join this conversation. Kamila, what you said about wanting to be the best mom and the best working professional really resonates with me as well. I, I think that's something I strive for too. I guess for me and my working parent story, I've always been very focused on my career. And that's largely been because I've always loved what I do professionally. And for quite some time, I thought there would be a good time or the perfect time to have children until I realized there's really no such thing. And even if you try to plan, there's a lot about the journey to becoming a parent that's beyond our control. So when I had my first daughter, and much to my chagrin, I was considered to be of, quote, advanced maternal age or a geriatric pregnancy, I think is what some say at that age. Such a cruel and term. What did you say? Laura? Such a cruel term. Right. Like that just needs to be eliminated from the vocabulary. I'm sorry. Go on, Jay. No, you're absolutely right. And at that time, I had transitioned out of the practice of law. I was working in law school administration. And while I've always given a lot to every job I've had, there just weren't the same stresses as when I was a practicing lawyer. I ended up having my second daughter while still in law school administration. 
And from there, I ended up joining the DEI team at the law firm, as, as Jason mentioned, and then was recruited into my current role. And so as, as challenging as it's been to be a working parent of young children, it's definitely different than having a newborn or an infant. I, I remember those very early years and the various challenges that presented themselves because the, the kids were so little. So, I mean, that's just a little bit of my journey. And quite frankly, it's it's ever evolving. I mean, I think, you know, I often hear about the challenges parents have as kids get older. So I'm looking ahead to, okay, there are going to be new challenges that I encounter. So it's ever evolving. And I'm, I'm really just always learning as, as I go through this process. Beautifully put, Jaya. Yeah, ever evolving. Our children are always changing. Our challenges with respect to them are always changing. I also love your emphasis on there being no perfect time to have a child and start this wild parenthood journey. I was having a conversation with a friend this weekend and she said, you know, I was sitting there thinking, okay, maybe next year I'll be ready. And then the following year, maybe then I'll be ready. And she's like, at some point, I realized that there was just never going to be that, that magic time. And so then I figured, well, I'll do it now. And then if I do it now, that'll give me more time on the back end. <laughs> you know, after they're off in college and I'll have more time to myself. So I think we just, we take the plunge whenever we take the plunge. So I want to ask both of you, and I'll start with you, Jaya, just since we um, were just picking up with you, how would you describe what it's like to be a parent who works in the diversity, equity, and inclusion? How is it to be, to wear the parent hat and the DEI hat? So the two words that come to mind for me when I think about this question, Lori, are hard and gift. And so let me explain a little bit. Um, I find having these two roles uh, being very hard, and there's a lot of caring that we're doing for others right now and over the past few years. And it's also a gift. Um, I would say, you know, being a mother has certainly shaped much of my perspective and worldview. And I've had an opportunity to learn so much from my children. To explain a little bit more, and I would say hard for a few reasons, hard because there's so much going on in our world with respect to social justice issues, anti-racism, police violence, I mean, so much more. Um, and I found myself having to have more conversations on these issues, not only in the workplace, but also with my children. Even though I do this work and think about this work so much, it is quite different when you're having a conversation with a nine-year-old on these topics. It's also hard because we really can't ignore the need to support working parents as part of our DEI strategies, particularly in light of the pandemic and all of the research that's shown how the pandemic has dramatically affected working mothers in particular. It's hard because there's often a second shift, which I know the two of you have talked a lot about in terms of there's always more to be done from a work perspective. And then it's a gift. It's a gift because it makes me a better leader. It gives me more empathy for others who are in a caregiving role. It's a gift because this work is about constant learning, both in DEI and as a parent. And like I said, my children are also my teachers. And it's a gift because I really learned how to focus. I, When I'm with them, I really aspire to be fully present with them. Mm-hmm. And when I'm working, I really aspire to be fully present in a conversation or in whatever it is I'm working on. So mm-hmm. those are the two words that come to mind for me, hard and a gift. Yeah, I can totally see that. Kamila, how about you? What would you say it's like to be a working parent in DEI? Yeah, I feel like Jaya put it just right. It is hard and it is a gift. So I'll start with the gift part. I think one of the biggest things that makes it a gift for me is just the access to all the tools and thoughts. So being a DNI practitioner, obviously you're in connection with other DNI practitioners. You're also developing resources that you're sharing with your associates or others who you're working with. 
So therefore, it puts me at the forefront of understanding different ways of communicating things to my daughter, as well as like, you know, how I should even be thinking about things or what other parents might be doing. However, it's hard um, to many of the reasons that Jaya said, but also for me, it's hard because it's just like, I don't want to say too much to her. And obviously I live and breathe this every single day, especially when it comes to all of the things that are going on around us. So I don't want to put too much pressure on her and almost like take away from her innocence, if you will, because I'm constantly focused on these things. But I also want to expose her to these things because it's important that she knows and she knows that her mom does this work and she asks me a plethora of questions, especially at the age of 10. So it's all it's almost hard because it's finding that right balance, right, of educating her enough so she's aware and knows how she needs to conduct herself in society, but also not putting too much on her so that she's not thinking about things that perhaps a child at her age shouldn't necessarily be concerning themselves with. And then, you know, struggling with what do I say? What do I not say? Especially given, you know, we all know this. When you tell a child something, they're going to school and talking about it with their friends. Oh, yes. And when they're talking about it with their friends, you might be introducing a new subject in conversation to them and their friends or their friends, really, that their parents might not have. And so it's like, OK, finding the right words to say to her so that if she does go to school and talk about this, she's at least educating her friends or putting them on a path where their parents are not like, Oh my goodness, who told you this? I was going to pass the baton over to Jason, but I'm going to sneak in one more question for both of you, given that you both raised, you know, how you talk to your own children. I'm wondering if there's one piece of advice you can give to us as parents on how you find it helpful to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, social justice issues with children. Let's call them elementary school age children. I get that it's different for every different age. And I get that that question is huge and ridiculously overbroad. But if there is just one thing that you can offer an insight on based on your own experience, what would that one thing be? For me, it's just being honest with her. I try not to sugarcoat things with her, even though sometimes it takes me a moment and I'll I'll tell her that, like, give me a moment to think this through because I want to make sure I say this right to you. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to her and then I tell her like, hey, you know, if you have more questions, why don't you think about them, write them down and then mm-hmm. come back to me. And so it's an, it's always an open dialogue for us. It's never a, OK, this is this. And now the conversation's done. But just being completely and totally honest, even when it's scary, even when it's something that maybe I didn't necessarily want to talk about. But we're here now. I love that. The OK to pause and collect your thoughts and the invitation to ask more questions. Beautiful. Jaya, how about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I literally come out as you said that I had written down on a piece of paper, the word honest. I mean, I would add on top of that. So honesty is absolutely key. I mean, I'll give you a very short, quick story. When my older daughter was little, I honestly didn't really know how to talk to her about death and dying. And my mother died many years ago mm-hmm. and I didn't know. So I often, for the longest time, I told her that I, I sort of, I taught when she would ask me about bugs being dead, I would say they're sleeping when, um, you know, mm. I never really used the word die or dead or death. And then someone I were, I knew, you know, really shared with me the importance of actually using those words, even if we're not, even if we can't explain everything. So then she'll mm-hmm. say something like, but then what happens? Where, where is she? Where does she go? And being okay with saying, you know, I don't have all the answers. This is what I, I know. This is what I believe, but I don't know all the answers. So I would say in addition to honesty, being okay with not knowing all the answers mm. and being honest about that. And I've also learned to ask them more questions. So I do this in my DEI work often where I use 
the process of, you know, asking questions to help people sort of, you know, explore different experiences. So also just going back to, especially with my older one and asking her questions too. But I think Mm -hmm. really just not being okay with not being perfect and not having all the answers. These are such beautiful guiding principles. Thank you, uh, both Jaya and Kamila. Um, Over to you, Jason. I love, Jaya, how you talk about curiosity and leading with questions. And Kamila, I love how you talk about honesty. It's, it's um, it, yes, very wonderful guiding principles. Also, for the record, anybody that's listening, you can't see that Kamila is actually wearing a T-shirt that is hashtag boss mom. And I think that is a wonderful, it's a wonderful hashtag because I love both how Kamila and Jaya are talking about their working parent stories and how uh, in different ways, what we like to talk about on the Parents at Work podcast is you get an inner superpower by becoming a parent. Kamila talking about how uh, organized and planning and intentional she became. And with Jaya, uh, just this uh, evolving and learning. I, I think it's wonderful. I want to start with Kamila. What workplace supports did you find particularly helpful when you became a working parent? I think the number one thing for me, and I know a lot of companies are moving to this, especially now, given you know the pandemic and what we learned from being in this space. But the number one thing for me was the flexible working. So I happened to work for Unilever when I first entered into the workforce. And Unilever has always been a huge proponent of flexible working. And that was a game changer for me in the sense of I could schedule my days so that on certain days I could work from home or I could leave the office early and get home earlier and then obviously get back online if I needed to. For me, that changed the game in the sense that it made it okay for me to go on field trips with my kid, which I had never imagined doing before. It also made it it possible for me to pick her up. Whereas, you know, when I first started working, I struggled with that. And oftentimes would be in the office until like 6, 6.30. And school is well beyond let out then. And even aftercare is done by then. Um, So it made things like that feasible for me. And and the goal that I had of being a mom and what that looked like, it became like something that I saw I could reach. In addition to that, some of the other things that I thought were extremely supportive, you know, and helping me were being at a company that also offered opportunities for me to involve her in the things that I was doing. So like whether it was a business trip or whether it was, you know, different events like take your kid to work day. Um, And having her come to my office and see the things that I was doing and understand this is what mommy does all day when I'm I'm on a computer, because that's what she thought I did is just I sit in front of a computer. But like, you know, meeting people and seeing the people whose name she hears me say constantly. Um, So it made it reality for her and made her feel like she was a part of, you know, me in this career that I'm developing. And then with the work trips, like when I had to go on really long uh, and big work trips making sure that I could create a space and opportunity for, you know, maybe it was my mom and her coming and meeting me in a different country and therefore exposing her to things um, that she wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. And again, exposing her to what my my life and my career is like. To me, those were huge um, in, you know, helping for me to feel okay with being a working parent, especially at the time when I was a single parent. And then also for just her and seeing what mommy does and seeing that, you know, mommy's doing something cool that she could be excited about too. I love it. I love it. And that's, uh, I, that's fantastic to have that flexibility. And then uh, the travel piece, uh, both Lori and I are big, big proponents of travel as a, an opportunity to teach. And it's wonderful that you were able to instill that. 
Jaya, same question. What work supports did you find particularly helpful when you became a working parent? I'll start by building off of what um, Kamila was sharing, because I do agree that flexibility is critical. And especially in light of COVID, you know, organizations have really had to rethink the workplace, including how and where we work. So for me, what that's meant is being able to work flexibly in the sense of working hours, location, really being treated as a trusted professional who'll get my work done as, as needed. And so for instance, this afternoon, my daughter, my younger one has a parent visit to her dance studio at the end of the day, and I'm going to go and and watch her. And so really just being able to decide how and where I work and having that degree of ownership over that. I would also say for me, what's been really important is just people and a community. So really working for and with colleagues who have an understanding of what it's like to be a working parent simple things like not scheduling meetings for 8 a.m. unless that's needed. And I understand that might be the case, especially when we work globally. Tweaks like that, having a community for caregivers that could be, you know, a caregiver employee resource group or a parent employee resource group. And I will always give shout outs when I can. And I mean, I'm just so, so appreciative of Lori for all that she's done with the um, Working Parent Group Network. So just people and a community and having others that I can go to and say, look, my child is sick with this and it's been really hard and I didn't sleep last night because I was awake all night with, you know, just being able to really talk to one another about the experience and what's that, what that's like. So I would say, you know, flexibility and people and community. Certainly there are others, but those are two that I would highlight. I like how you're talking about being able to find your tribe and be able to share that experience with those that are going through a similar experience and finding strength in that. That's fantastic. Jason, before you go on, I just want to put a PSA out there for um, anyone who is in an organization that has a working parent or caregiver uh, ERG or affinity group. Um, you can feel free to join the group that Jaya referenced called the Working Parent Group Network, which convenes the leaders of working parent and caregiver groups across the United States. You can go to mindfulreturn.com forward slash WPGN to sign up. And we would love to have you as part of the community. Yeah. And uh, what Lori's doing in helping the leaders of these groups is fantastic and even broadening out that community. Jay, I want to stay with you for a second. What supports didn't you have, but you think other parents might benefit from? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I would first say that I acknowledge in many ways how privileged and uh, fortunate that I am to have support when my children were younger, even now. Um, So I really, it's important to me to recognize that I'm very blessed to have, you know, it does take a village and I do have a village to engage in this experience with me. I will say for me, one of the biggest areas where I would have loved to have more support is around nursing and breastfeeding. When I was pregnant with my first, I had no idea how difficult that experience would be. In my conversations, people mostly focused on the experience of giving birth. And that was the extent of it. And then everything else after that wasn't really talked about. And I experienced incredible challenges with nursing while at work. And, you know, we we all have heard about the experiences of, you know, supply issues, if you're even able to nurse going down when you re-enter the workplace. And I just felt very ill-informed about that entire process. So I just wish there had been more support about what that's like 
and more conversation that it's not a judgment on your parenting, on your ability to be a good mother, that it is hard and it's not easy or possible for everyone. So that to me is probably the one support I mean, I'm that I would really highlight, including even things like extra supplies in the workplace. I mean, I, and things have changed, you know, my since when I had my second daughter was born in 2017. So things have progressed since then. But even just extra supplies, I remember going to work in nursing during a break and forgetting, you know, something that I needed and having to dump the milk out or just all sorts of things that were incredibly stressful. And so I think that is one area that I would really, really emphasize. And now for a quick note from our sponsor. This episode of the Parents at Work podcast is brought to you by Mindful Return, an employee benefit designed to support new parents through the transition back to work after parental leave. Hi, I'm Lori Mahalik-Levin, CEO and founder of Mindful Return. When I went back to work after maternity leave, twice, after having two sons about two years apart, I realized that I could take a course on any baby-related subject under the sun, from making a birth plan to pumping milk to even pureeing baby food. But I could not find any resources to help me, a grown-up, navigate the personal and professional identity transition into working parenthood. I created Mindful Return to fill this gap. Employers, Mindful Return is a four-week online group-based course that's both really affordable and really effective. Our employee retention statistics among our course alumni are off the charts. Head over to mindfulreturn.com and click on four employers in the navigation tab to learn more about bringing our programs for working parents to your workplace. 75 employers already offer Mindful Return as a parental leave benefit, and we'd love to give you a quick behind-the-scenes tour of our courses. Again, head over to mindfulreturn.com and click on four employers to get in touch. Now back to our episode. Jay, you're hitting on something and taking both uh, taking me back. I remember when Lori was nursing with our first and so you have the multiple parts, the pump parts. And I felt like in the evenings, we were a factory just cleaning everything out. And then uh, through some research, we started to realize that our, our our oldest son didn't like some of the milk because the milk turns at a certain point. There's an element in the milk called lipase. So we had to actually add in an extra element to it where we had to take the milk up to 160 degrees and then freeze it. Wow, this is, um, this is something I haven't thought about in a while. <laughs> I had I had excess lipase in my breast milk. It's a somewhat rare thing, but um, it causes you to have an extra step of scalding. So yes, our lives were very consumed by the whole nursing pumping thing for a very long time. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, you think you forget it. You know, it, it's been a long time for me, but I still remember vividly how hard it was to be working. And then, of course, having the experience of my supply dwindling. And I attribute a lot of that to not having consistency and the support in the workplace. Yeah. Um, among many reasons. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely a very vivid memory for, for me as well. Well, thank you for sharing that, Joe. Kamila, same question. And thank you, Joe. What supports didn't you have, but you think other parents might benefit from? Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that I didn't have uh, great supports because I do think the things that I did have helped me significantly. But if I had to say one thing that I, I could have done more 
of or could have done more with rather uh, would have been a bigger networking and support as far as like an open forum even. Um, and what I mean by that is like there were many things that, you know, I felt as though when I first started this journey, I was going through and that I was trying to figure out and, you know, we're all like, oh, my gosh, I want to be perfect. I want my kid to be perfect when that's just not the reality of it. Right. There's no real one book that tells you how to do it exactly the way that you ultimately want it to be done. However, what I realized even more so now is like if you just are vulnerable and you talk to people and you say what you're going through, chances are you're going to find somebody else who either is going through the same thing you're going through or has gone through it and therefore can share with you different insights and or tools, tips and tricks um, as to how they solved it. So, you know, for me, I think it's I wish I would have had that network. I wish I would have had a group of people or somewhere I could have gone to talk about all the things that I was struggling with, because I think that would have made all the more difference in navigating certain challenges and, you know, not feeling so down or beating myself up so much when I didn't get it perfect the way that I wanted it to be. I love how you're talking about just being more open with your own personal experience. That's just so important. Uh, Kamala, I want to stay with you uh, as a coach. I'm all, I love asking this question because for me, uh, it tells so much about people. I want you to flash back in your career. What was your first ever paying job, middle school, high school, college? What was the first job that you ever had? So for me, Jason, my mom was one of those moms that told me if I wanted something, I needed to figure out how to go out and get it myself. So I had two jobs as my first job. I was a math tutor and a lifeguard. And what kind of math were you tutoring? All types of math. Um, My teacher that I had in the, I believe the seventh grade, I was on an advanced math track. Um, So I took algebra in the seventh grade. Uh, He became the person that I worked for because he had a tutoring business outside of school. So I was tutoring kids way older than me even in geometry, algebra, calculus even. Wow. That's awesome. So you were a math tutor and a lifeguard. Yes. So if we were to flash forward now, what career related skills do you think parenthood has helped you to grow? Yeah. So if I had to reflect on from where I was then to now, oh, my goodness. Well, number one, I think that parenthood has taught me empathy. I don't think I had that myself for sure. Then I think that being a parent, you start to see and notice things that you wouldn't otherwise. And therefore, you learn how important having empathy really is. And so now I think I have a a much greater sense of that, not only for myself, but for, you know, other people. And of course, for my child, I think in addition to that, it's taught me balance that in order for me to be successful as a person, I can't do 50 million things at once constantly without also building in time for me to have fun um, and to do and spend time with the people that I love. And then I think the greatest piece of all that being a parent has taught me is time management. I run my kid around to 50 million things a week, whether it's horseback riding, whether it's piano, violin, lacrosse, whatever it is. And then in addition to the boards that I sit on or my meetings and things like that, I have to manage my time. So I think those are my top three things for sure. Whereas I definitely didn't have those things being a tutor or a lifeguard. Well, you know, when Lori introduced you as a change superhero, I hear you on all of it, the the empathy, the balance, the time management. I think that's absolutely fantastic. I also want to say that um, if you're 
dealing with a daughter who is learning how to play violin, you are also a hero. I'm a violinist, and I know that the first couple of years of my experience with that instrument must have driven people totally crazy because <laughs> it is not an easy instrument to learn. And wow, is it shrieky? But it, you know, after a couple of years, it sounds fantastic. But gosh, those first few years, I really pity anyone who heard me playing. I hear you more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, hero, Kamila. I was going to say, I was going to say, you're also a hero in my mind, Kamila, because you are a math tutor. <laughs> yes. So. Thank you. So you've you've got the saving lives, and then you've got the saving numbers. It's all good. So on to you, Jay. What was your first job? Goodness, you know, it, this sounds very commonplace. Babysitting. I babysat the neighborhood kids. From as young as I was allowed, I took one of those American Red Cross CPR or babysitting 101 courses and got my certificate and went around the neighborhood touting it and then got all these babysitting jobs. So that's probably the first job I had. That's awesome. I uh, like you. I was a babysitter. So um, there's nothing cliched about it. It's um, it's actually uh, a wonderful way to start. And actually, uh, Lori and I are uh, trying to instill that in our oldest, who actually this weekend just had his first uh, parent helping job where he got uh, his first uh, experience in actually getting money for services. So it's a, it's a good thing. So I will also just have to stand on my soapbox for a moment and say, all the parents out there, remember the boys too, because when they take on babysitting jobs, they learn caregiving. And so if you're going to hire babysitters, yes, hire the girls and hire the boys. Back to you. <laughs> that wasn't fun, though. I mean, we often don't think of it from that perspective, right? I mean, I don't even know if I know very many young boys who babysit yet. So there's an interesting gender, you know, gender mm-hmm. issue there. Jason says, oh, Jason says that he was like the popular guy babysitter in his neighborhood because he was the only one doing it when he was growing up. And I think it's one of those like gender norms that we need to change here. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. I mean, I, w- I, I was a lineman on the football team and I could change diapers and parents were like, wow. And just because, you know, you're there's a lot of opportunity just to make those asks. Uh, so when we are inviting babysitters into our house, we try to do that equal ask of inviting in both both young women and uh, young men. Hey, Kamila, I think you were going to hop in. Yeah, no, I was just going to say I love that because like Jay, I don't think I've ever thought about it that way, even being a DNI practitioner. But I really love hearing that. Awesome. Yes. Go out and uh, get a deep and wide babysitting bench. Yeah, Back just, over to you. it's a bench. I mean, you know, having played baseball, you know, I'm always looking at our babysitters as single A, double A, triple A and getting into the majors <laughs> so that, you know, it's a it's a it's a continuum. And and to have that bench and to be able to go to not only your folks in your mid 20s or college students or high school, but middle school, but making the ask, well, why don't you come over and try it out and see if there's a fit? Yeah, I'll get off my soapbox. I, I love talking about babysitting because I think it it, uh, it actually teaches a lot lot. Uh, so, so Jaya, so you started as a babysitter, you, you were shopping around this wonderful cert, uh, certificate that you had from the Red Cross. So now we're flashing forward. Uh, what career related skills do you think Parenthood has helped you grow? So I'll first say, I think it's really awesome. And just to relate a, a somewhat of a tangent, but on a related note, there's the new LinkedIn feature that some of you may have seen, which allows you to add a career break. And that includes caregiving among other, I think there's full-time parenting, bereavement, et cetera. So I just think that was, when I noticed that change on LinkedIn, I thought that was really interesting because I do think it not only acknowledges the experience of parenthood, but also the value that that adds to your identity and your professional journey. So just a quick note about that because I thought that was interesting when I came about it. For me, and again, I'm going to 
build off of Kamila. I mean, I completely agree with the empathy. Another for me is just being a better people manager. So people management skills and really viewing my role as a mentor, as a coach, and really wanting to, you know, support and nurture those coming behind me in their professions as in, in the DEI space. I would also say um, a willingness to learn. We've already talked a little bit about that already. And just like there's no playbook for being a parent, you know, there's really no playbook when you are in, particularly when you're in a new DEI role at an organization. So both in the law school, when I was working in law school administration and also my current roles, I'm in inaugural roles. And so while there are certainly approaches and best practices, just like with parenting, there's no playbook. There's no, this is what you do. And this is how you'll be a success if you do X, Y, and Z. So there's a lot of parallels in terms of willingness to learn and not having a playbook, even if you have best practices and guidance between parenting and DEI work. I would also say being a better listener, as I mentioned before, being able to focus when I'm with my children, which is very important to me, just being fully present and bringing that same mindset to my conversations in the workplace. Coaching and counseling skills. Jason, I know you'll really appreciate that. We've already talked a little bit about asking questions and basically hoping and helping people to have the tools that they need to navigate certain situations, just as what I would hope for for my children. And then finally, resilience. I really do think that navigating through challenging situations, whether that's in the workplace or as a parent, gives us a certain strength and bravery you know, just in confidence in what may, whatever may come our way. Jay, I love how you talk about um, your experience and how it's translatable. And, you know, in your last two roles where you're just like forging a new path and really figuring it out and, uh, and, and leaning into that. And Kamila, I love how you talk about empathy uh, and, and being able to get into other people's shoes. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Lori, on to you. You have the next question the poster children for why moms and dads make amazing leaders, because these are exactly the types of qualities that we want in successful leaders of our organizations and of our country. So thank you for articulating that so beautifully. So my last question for both of you, and we'll start with you, Kamila, is as a mom who's working to advance diversity in the workplace, what do you see as your role in shaping the conversation around working parents? That's a big one. But the first thing that comes to mind for me is vulnerability. I, as a DNI practitioner, uh, realized long ago that this is a journey. And in order for us to be successful, because it's not just me, for all of us to be successful, is we have to bring everybody along for the journey. And I think in order to do that, you have to meet people where they are and help them to connect the dots and relate to people in a way that perhaps they didn't see otherwise. And to me, I achieved that through vulnerability, through sharing my experience relating it back to others and allowing them to see me for who I really am. No sugarcoating, no lies, none of it. I am who I am. My experience is my experience that as much as others. And so to me, it always goes back to vulnerability. Beautiful. Thank you, Kamila. And exactly why I wanted you to come on this podcast. I think that that voice of honesty is so important in in our conversations. Over to you, Jay. Same question. Um, as someone who's advancing diversity in the workplace, what do you see as your role in shaping the conversation around working parenthood? First, and I mean, I guess this is a huge question, and I'm sure we could all have hours and hours of conversations to even start to address it. 
I mean, I would say just a couple things. One, I really do believe that investing in parents is critical to DEI efforts. And it's really important to look at the experiences of parents of color and other marginalized identities. So, I mean, just as an example, as we've seen over the past few years, we've talked a lot about or we've heard and read a lot about burnout, um, especially post-COVID. And I think it's really important to really parse out the data and really look specifically mothers of color, Black mothers, single mothers, and not look at motherhood as a monolith or one experience. I also think another huge area where we have an opportunity to shape the conversation is around acknowledging the biases and gender biases in particular that are common in the workplace. The maternal wall bias or motherhood bias is One in particular, which is extremely problematic, especially for women's career advancement. And there's a lot of data that really highlights how much of an issue that is. And I also think we, it's our, a role we play is recognizing that, yes, we may be diversity leaders and every leader, regardless of your title, role, reporting structure, et cetera, has a role to play in creating an inclusive workplace, a workplace that is inclusive of caregivers of all types and parents in particular. So those are just a few thoughts on that. But I, I re- yeah, I would, um, I'll leave it at that. We could easily go on for a much longer time. Yeah. And thank you so much for pointing out that the experience of working parents is not one single experience, but there is intersectionality and we need to be thinking about different groups and how they experience parenthood differently. Thank you for that. Okay. Over to Jason for his very last question for both of you. So this will be the lightning round and I'll start with Kamila. Three questions in one. What's your one best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent? What's your number one book and your number one piece of technology? All right. So lightning round. So best piece of advice. I said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it for the rest of my life. Honesty. But I want to stress the fact that it's not just being honest with your kids and other people, but it's also being honest with yourself about where you are and what you're going through, because that is how you change the game. As far as my number one book. It is Between the World and Me by Tinahasi Coates. And the reason being is because in that book, he wrote it from the perspective of telling his son about his life and the experiences that he has had, which to me centers around this whole concept of honesty that I have and why I believe it's important to, to tell your kids what's really happening so that they know how they need to go out in the world. And then as far as the best piece of technology for me, I would say my calendar. It is now to the point where I add invites to my kids' calendar. She even adds invites to my calendar for things that she <laughs> wants to do. So we live and breathe the calendar. That's how we plan our dates with each other. That's how we plan different outings. And that's how she lets me know different things that she found and she might be interested in. I love it. Time is the investment and you use your time wisely. That's great. Thank you, Kamila. Jay, on to you. Number one best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent. Number one book, number one piece of technology. Okay. Well, first, Kamala, I love that your daughter sends you appointment requests. That's amazing. Lightning rod. Okay. So advice would be to set boundaries. This may be much easier said than done. And to be candid, I've only learned this and I'm continuing to learn this in the past year or two. But I'm a huge fan of blocking your work calendar to do more strategic work where you can treating exercise as an appointment, all those slight tweaks, which really allow you to have uh, more boundaries in your life. As for book, um, I'm cheating on this question. So A, shout out to Jason's book. I have to do that, Relationships to Infinity. I'm also cheating because I just ordered Ibram Kendi's book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist. 
So in the vein of honesty, I have not, I read yours, Jason. I have not yet read How to Raise an Anti-Racist, but as we've talked about, even though, you know, we talk about a variety of DEI topics in the workplace, to me, it really does feel like an entirely different challenge when talking about these issues with my two daughters. As for technology, putting aside my phone, my kid's iPad, key for when we're on nice restaurants, putting aside the Nest camera when my kids were younger, I would say a good Excel spreadsheet for organizing camp schedules as we approach the summer season. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> the Excel cal- uh, spreadsheet is an essential tool for mapping yes. summer camps, sadly. Yes. I know. And people used to tell me that before that my kids were in camp and they would say, you're going to get arrive at a point in life where you have a spreadsheet with all the different camps. And I really was like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, we'll see. And here I am. <laughs> I'm also laughing because, you know, yesterday our oldest son went off to become a parent's helper at this family's house. And I asked the parents, so what'd you do while well, he was taking care of the kids? And they said, we made a spreadsheet for summer camp. <laughs> so it's very topical right now. Kamila and Jaya, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your experiences and your inspiration with us. We are delighted that you took the time to do this today. If you haven't read Between the World and Me, go get it just to echo what Kamila was saying. I've read it twice and I feel like it is such an important letter to his son that is so helpful to read. And I'm going to go order How to Raise an Anti-Racist because that is not yet on our bookshelf. So we're going to put that there. Thank you for the recommendation, Jaya. Thanks to you, to everybody for joining. Join us again for our next episode with dads in DEI. And we look forward to having that conversation as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go to the place that you found it and leave us a review, a rating. We would really, really appreciate that. And take the link and forward it to another mom in DEI who might find the conversation helpful. Thank you, everybody. And we look forward to being together again next time. Bye, all. Bye.